Okay, welcome to a bi-weekly podcast. That is the VR solo podcast because it's just me this week. Everyone else is a loser. I mean, I mean, I lost them. Oh, no, I, they're, they're not dead. They're just tired and uh, busy with working and all that kind of stuff. And um, I have a few things I do want to talk about this week, so I'm just going to go ahead and do a solo stream. And... Uh, and and solo recording and solo podcast so let's see how this goes um i'm live on twitch but i haven't advertised this because i have a terrible headache and this might end up being a terrible podcast but at least as it's a podcast so we'll see how it goes um so hello ball how are you today how do you feel i feel terrible i haven't slept much i've not been good at going to bed in time but thanks for asking how are you wait wait i'm me so that doesn't work this time uh so let's let's go past the the, the intro uh <laughs> so what what is there to talk about now let's do some normal things let's check off uh the last game night we played arizona sunshine and as has been typical lately, we had a few technical issues or organizational issues. I'm not sure which. Um, uh, for one, uh, we had some audio issues where we couldn't hear Mr. Dr. Oculus and some misunderstandings happened, but that got sorted eventually when, when it made, was made clear that the audio was not working. <laughs> That was all a bit chaotic. And then we also had some problems where uh, Paul had actually been doing some some uh, interesting uh, cyber shoes stuff. So he had the beta of Arizona Sunshine installed, so he couldn't connect to any of us because we ran the non-beta beta version. But after like 45 minutes, we actually got into a game together, which lasted probably for 20 minutes before uh, Paul crashed out. And, um, well, that, that was it until we finished that, uh, level. So we played horde mode and horde mode in Arizona sunshine is basically one single level with no loading zones. And you get to play through wave after wave of, uh, uh, just an onslaught of zombies. And welcome, Cold Engines, to the chat. This is not the Ballcast. It's a nice name, I guess, but uh, uh, I've, I've titled it appropriately. Uh, so yes, I, I do try to pay attention to chat, but we'll see how that goes. So yes, um, if one of your uh, player companions die during a wave, they will be revived the next wave so even if someone dies they're not out of the game that's fairly nice uh if you actually manage to survive uh, if everyone dies in a wave you end the game you lose and you get a final score and there's a global scoreboard and stuff so it's it's a fun game mode um it can get quite hectic and quite chaotic especially like if uh, 20 waves in and thereabout and I th but I think it, we had a fairly good time after all the all the nuisances were 
past when we actually were in the game. It is a uh, four-year-old game by now, so it runs quite well. I don't think I had any performance issues at all. Then again, I have a slightly beefy PC, so I shouldn't have, really. Um, but I didn't hear about issues from any of the other guys either, so I think, uh, I think it's a good contender to a uh, performance multiplayer title for uh, co-op enthusiasts. Uh, yeah, there's a campaign in it that lasts a couple of hours, well, maybe four to six. But then there's also two DLC packs with additional story content and uh, like side tracks of the of the story. And I realized there will be no natural breaks now for me to drink. I'm just going to do that now anyway. Ah, to save my voice. So yeah, that was the game night. Um, we have been challenged as a podcast group to play a... <laughs> Play a horror title in VR chat. I forgot the name of it, um, but <laughs> for F Reality, the other podcast group that um, challenged us, it took about four and a half hours, I think. And that's quite a long time to spend in one go in VR. I'm not sure there's a save function because it's in VR chat. I'm pretty sure it's n there's none, but. Yeah, that, that means we have to play until we finish it or quit uh, midway. And question is, will people be able to play for that long? It might not be necessary to stand, but that's almost always how I play VR. I did get... Oh, called filled me in. It's called the, the Devouring, which now sounds familiar because I've seen it a few times. So the devour the devouring that's a hard word in VR chat. Um a co-op horror experience. I saw uh, the other guys on Twitter then posting their results. And four and a half hours, but like fifty to sixty deaths per, per person, so <laughs> I'm not sure if it's an enjoyable game, but we'll see. We'll see if we take it, take them up on the challenge. And um, I didn't watch any of the streams. So I have no idea how it's actually played. So no no handicap for us unless the other one, the other podcast members watch watch the stream. That's an outstanding challenge we have. Um, I'm gonna move through this fairly quickly. This, this might be a very short podcast. Um, the next game I want to talk about is called Automata Break. Uh, it's a game that's on Kickstarter and I've had my eyes on it for a while because it mixes my favorite genres, basically. Um, uh, it's in short, it's a tower defense shooter. So I enjoy tower defense games and shooter games and when they combine them, yeah, I'm 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 fairly sold on that concept. So as a reference for for older game or other games I've played that are in this specific slightly niche genre, it would be Sanctum and Sanctum Two, um, Orcs Must Die One and Two, uh, Iron Brigade, um, Dungeon Defenders. Uh, which is a whole series of games at this point. 
So there are a few and I've played, I think I've played most of them, but not so much in VR. So what's special with this game? Uh, first of all, again, it's on Kickstarter right now. So it's Automata Break. Uh, it's been May. I think the developers are in Mexico. Uh, they speak Spanish anyway. Uh, and I've played it two sessions so far. Uh, one in single player and one in local multiplayer. But that is local multiplayer with Steam remote play together. Which means you can play with people with local games. You can play with people remotely. So you can share your screen over the Steam network and someone else sends their input to your machine. But let's get into the single player. Um, you play it in VR in single player. I don't think there's a desktop mode for it. So you can toggle between being the mechanoid or robot or I keep forgetting what it's called in the actual game, but the shooter character that plays in VR down on the ground. Um, you can toggle from that also up to a map where you place towers and stuff like in a normal tower defense game. So you place towers and you upgrade them and you can also use abilities, but I'm not sure if those are available in single player because I don't think I had access to those in VR. I think in VR you're supposed to focus on the first person mode when the level is actually running, when the wave is, is going on. So in single player then I would build, buy new weapons, upgrade, and then turn on the wave and toggle to the, the, the first person mode. And then you move around on the map, you have a minimap on your arm, and you can move around on the map looking for the enemies or getting run over by them pretty much. You see on the map beforehand the routes they're going to take, but there's also force fields that will change during the level. So these paths aren't always the same. They will change with time and you will get uh, your towers will be in the wrong position for, <laughs> for, for some of the waves. It, it makes it interesting and a bit more challenging than a static, static tower defense level. For the first-person shooter uh, mode, you have, I think, six weapons or so. And you can you start with just a normal hit-scan machine gun, basically. And then you can, with money you earn, in single-player you spend it on both the towers and, and your weapons, and upgrades for the towers and weapons. So you buy you unlock the weapons by buying the first level, and then you can upgrade them two steps. So you can um, spec out how you want to play the game. And uh, you have a machine gun, a, a rocket launcher, a turret deployer, a goop gun, and uh, plasma swords or just swords of some kind. That's five. That's all I remember. So maybe five weapons then and three levels per weapon. And towers are also like five different towers. Uh, I don't think I... Yeah, there's the normal like uh, single target fast or long range one. And there's an AOE and slow and, and uh, single target high damage. And I can't remember the last one. But it's, it's fairly, you know, the standard uh, 
range of towers you would expect. But the fun the fun part is that it feels like a fairly fleshed out tower defense, including a fairly like competent shooter component. <laughs> so it's it's like two games in one. Uh, so it's the I I the single player felt fairly like approachable and easy for me. Uh, I didn't feel like it was too hard. Um, if we move on to the local multiplayer mode, I think they've said that they will try to also add it networked, so you don't have to rely on Steam's remote play together mode. But honestly, the remote play together system is working very well with this game. I had my brother join in, and uh, he was playing the the tower defense player, and and while I was in VR, it was all running on my machine. Uh, I was in VR playing the first person shooter character, and in that mode, we earn separate money pools, and I can spend it all on upgrading weapons and buying new weapons, and the map or the tower builder spends it all on buying new buying towers and and upgrading towers uh, in that case in in the multiplayer mode also the the map builder it, he doesn't or she doesn't just put out towers but also has active abilities during the game so uh, they can shoot beams and do slow fields and and place uh, a knight Something like that. I haven't actually done that mode myself. I've only been the one in VR so far. So I've only watched the video back. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I really enjoy it. It's a fairly magical feeling. Like seeing... When you're in VR, you see a probe or a, a, something that flies around in the sky that represents the desktop player. And the desktop player gets this tiny robot character that represents the VR player and you can see the hands move just like you move them and, and stuff like that so it's it's fairly fascinating with the type of of collaboration where one is actually like a, a huge gigantic uh, like god mode character and the other one is a small ant running around on the map uh, I find that to be an interesting dynamic and it tickles my imagination um it's kind of close to a genre I have always wanted since playing War Warcraft 3. Because I imagined all the heroes you got to be played by individual players. Uh, so the, this is kind of almost like that. And I, I quite, quite, I'm quite happy to finally have this <laughs> many years later. It's also reminding me of, I'm not sure if anyone has played the Battlezone 2 game. This was way back then. And uh, I'm not sure if it was a mod or in the base game, but you can play, basically when you play it in multiplayer, one player can go to a satellite tower and start to build a base in top-down mode, while other players then can pilot the ships you build. It's an RTS in first person, basically. Uh, this reminds me a bit of that. It's not as free as an RTS, but, you know, there's tower building and shooting. And if you're playing solo, you switch between the two at will. So, yeah, I, I quite enjoy it. And I did support it for... Uh, uh, I can't remember the reward now, but, like, the early access stuff. 
So check it out on Kickstarter. Uh, my recommendation, which is usually we don't have things to recommend on Kickstarter. It's usually just, you know, don't pay money for this. Don't do it. But in this case, I'm, uh, if you like tower defense and shooters combined, this is something to check out. Okay, that was the game mode. Games. I don't have more games to talk about right now because the other ones I have played aren't really VR, so let's skip ahead. Um, the big talking subject that I'm now stealing from the other guys because they're not here is uh, Oculus or Facebook is requiring Oculus accounts to connect to Facebook accounts within the soon or near future. So basically any new Oculus device you purchase or register or try to use needs to use a Facebook login. You need a Facebook account. Uh, you're, so for all of us who haven't connected their Facebook account to their Oculus account, we will have two years before that stops working or we yeah, I don't know what happens. They just say that we might not have full access to our games and hardware and stuff. Who knows? So first of first of January 2023, new Oculus or Oculus accounts at all will not be supported. I guess I don't know the exact wording they used, but they're basically being phased out. And um, This isn't really a surprise because already before this, they limited social features, you know, like adding and accepting friends. That has already been uh, requiring a Facebook connection to your Oculus account, which I haven't added. So I haven't added any new friends in a while. And uh, <laughs> this is a change that we were promised would never happen when the acquisition happened in 2014. That's now six years ago. And it was guaranteed that we would never be required to sign in with Facebook for usage of the devices or playing the games. But then none of the people that, you know, were the ma main uh, founders and, and the leaders within Oculus, none of them are left on in Facebook. They all left, I think, from last year the last person left in that group so there's nobody to fight the fight the man in, in on the inside uh i'm gonna go a bit off topic i think but it's also on topic so it's a uh, good uh what's it called well whatever words are hard um it's still in english be happy because of this change with requiring the Facebook account, a lot of developers, or a lot, a few developers anyway, have gone out and told stories about uh, their experience of Facebook uh, when it comes to them being a pub publishing platform. So that is some a platform that delivers your game that you can publish your game on and it's called a segue not really a segue i was gonna uh i, di I digress is that a word but that's kind of when you go off topic and uh yeah cole is trying to learn teach me words here uh 
I, I don't buy it. So yeah, the developers that have been spoken out about this, um, one thread especially has been uh, getting a lot of attention on Twitter, and it's by Darshan Shankar. Shankar, yeah, I think so. The CEO of Big Screen VR, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, apparently, digressing is someone else's key phrase. I can't use that, or I I should uh, maybe oh, maybe maybe I should still use it. Anyway, Darshan has has uh, written a thread written a thread on Twitter about his problem getting big screen onto. I think both the Oculus Store and the Quest Store. I think in the first uh, first it, it was associated or. Uh, he has been talking about this on a podcast we can buy on the uh, Voices of VR podcast. And it was clear that Facebook, while pushing VR and making affordable and accessible items or products for consumers, have been fairly hostile or not very forthcoming with developers when it comes publishing on their platform. Apparently, they have on multiple occasions not f like they, they they refuse to take on applications that will compete with their own, or where they just have plans to make their own version of it, or they will straight off just make an, a version of what you have published already. Um, so one example they bring up is that uh, the ver the desktop mode in 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 the Oculus runtime is now called Virtual Desktop, which is the product name of Virtual Desktop, <laughs> a desktop replacement solution that has existed since 2015 or so, a long time. And it's also available on the Oculus Store and the Quest Store. So they just went off and uh, grabbed the same name. No, no hesitation, it seems. And for for big screen, they actually do. This was what the Twitter thread mostly was about. They do movie rentals now, so you can rent movies. And uh, apparently, for okay, Google. Okay, Google. Okay, Google. Stop. I hate digital assistance at this point. <sighs> so yeah, they now do movie rentals. And for media productions, uh, the media production companies, the ones that own the rights to the movies and the videos and, and whatever, they take 60 to 80% of the sales price or the, the rental fee. And then because... They all, they are on the Oculus platform, uh, Rift or Quest, I think. They you have to use their payment system, and they also take another thirty percent on top of the sixty to eighty percent, which means in some cases they actually lose money when they rent out the movie. And apparently, they have been in trying to get Facebook to uh, make a better deal for them for years, apparently. So no, if it's a competing product to Oculus or to Facebook, they won't really care if you make money or not. They will tell you to change your business model, uh, make changes to your products so you can earn money. 
So, uh, I also heard in the same podcast, you should really listen to that podcast if you haven't, the um, Darshan Shankar interview that was recently posted on the Voices of, v- Voices of VR podcast. Um, developers have been kind of uh, almost like fighting to get their products onto the Oculus stores. And they even have like people have, they mentioned like products that have been heavily invested in finished development and they have a good, like they can have a good community with, with beta testers and, and like users on discord. And then Oculus denies the product anyway, and it can't go onto the store. That's not like an approachable way to like it shoots down ideas and it limits the availability of or the innovation capacity of innovation i'd say because it drowns out like similar products and i'm getting distracted by chat thank you for joining people um i (laughs) taking calls is a good call uh i'm not prepared for that i don't have i'm not on discord or I don't even have the audio setup for that, but uh, <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to do this anyway. Uh, and now I'm losing my thread here, but let's try get back to get back to it. Um, Facebook as a publisher seems to be exerting their power fairly often. It's kind of the opposite of Steam, which with Steam Direct, I think it's called. Just take a hundred dollar fee and you can publish basically anything. They do seem to be fairly restrictive on, you know, porn and other uh, adult content. Um, Something gets pulled off the platform, I think. I'm not sure, but I see people complain about uh, visual novels that have not safe for work packs and you still download those off platform. I don't know why, but regardless, I digress. Um, Steam is open. So for the longest time, the opponents to like in the fanboy wars between Oculus and, and Steam or Valve, it has mostly been that, oh yeah, Steam is full of garbage games. Um, it's a lot of asset flips, um, crappy ports mobile ports and yeah anything can be put on steam pretty much unless you you know violate cope violate copyrights and stuff so steam is full of fairly questionably qualitative games i've played quite a few myself and they put me off vr so they're really almost poisoning the well but then again it's so open that you also don't get restricted competition or restricted innovation and uh, it all gets put in a different light now when we've heard these stories from developers that the oculus platform is just incredibly locked down it is the the walled garden of vr from the very beginning of the consumer launch of the rift it felt like oculus wanted to be apple you know, the first box that came out, it was very sleek. Just a few product images, I think. Or was it completely black, even? 
no big labels with you know product information uh service information anything like that just a sleek nice package which felt super apple at that point because it would it's kind of apple's trademark to have nice packaging and um it's fairly clear now that they also want to imitate apple's app store the app store on ios devices is completely controlled by apple so this is again digression but i this is fairly on topic so let's go for it there's a recent um lawsuit between epic games and apple this is because apple won't allow anything on their store and epic doesn't like that because they don't they want to so basically it's like this on ios you can only publish applications through the app store and Apple are arbiters of what goes on there or not. And even if you already have an app on the store, if they create, if Apple themselves makes an app that competes with yours, without, without any kind of warning, they can just pull your app from the store because you are not allowed to compete with Apple's own apps. And that's, that's what's it called? It goes the other way. So if they make an app that you're now competing with, if you, even if you didn't before, you'll get pushed off, pushed out. So it's uh, it's a monopoly, and that's why the Epic uh, lawsuit came to be. Yeah. So the lawsuit cam comes from Epic. They basically pulled this knowing that they would be uh, breaking store policies so there is a policy so this this lawsuit also involve, involves google and they they use the same policy that you can't do payments from apps delivered through the store that are not through the like google's and apple's payment systems if you do that if you sell an in-app product for example you need to have uh, if you want to sell it at all, it has to be able to be purchased by the platform payment methods, meaning the platform holders will take 30%. That is a mandatory thing due to policies. You can still have purchasable items outside the store on your web page, and that then circumvents the 30%, but it's i'm not sure if you can even advertise that in the app or if people just need to know what epic did uh, yeah i'm pretty sure you can't advertise it you you just have to have users that know that they can also buy it elsewhere what epic did was that they added payments from payments for their v bucks in fortnite you could bu buy them outside the platform payment systems in the apps not even on like it was always possible on the website but this was in the apps and uh, that got them removed both from the app store and the google play store i think within a day or two because it's a clear like policy violation and they did <laughs> they did it very publicly and um 
the interesting part is that they had a, I think, 60-page legal document or 80, I think 60, a lawsuit already prepared and a promotional video making Apple out as the big man that they're fighting, uh, apparently referencing an old Apple advertisement. So this was all super conscious and prepared. Um, uh, it's it's a bit funky, but the interesting part is that what they're fighting is basically we want to deliver. So in the lawsuit, this also mentioned that they want to deliver a their own store through the App Store. So Epic wants to install an Epic Game Store on your mobile device, which then wouldn't be part of the Apple ecosystem when it comes to payments and licenses and stuff. So it undermines the whole App Store like revenue model because then anyone will put a store on your your hardware device. Like you could get Google Play on, on iPhones. Um, right now, that's not possible. That's not like the on Android. That's possible through sideloading. You can allow unknown sources. People that use the Oculus platform knows about this. This is something the original Oculus people, when they came to Facebook, had to fight for to allow unknown sources for Oculus devices. This also exists on Android. So you can install a store if you download it off a web page or whatever. What you can't do is deliver a store through the Google Play Store. That's simply not allowed. And it's the same on iOS devices. But on iOS devices, you can't allow unknown sources. You can't sideload. You can jailbreak, but that's, you know, maybe this probably destroying your warranty and outside supported uh, routines and stuff. Um, so... Epic is not, you know, the heroes really, because if they can choose, they would have the same type of monopoly, I'm sure. They're a billion, like billion dollar company. You don't get there without having, you know, an agenda when it comes to profits. And this is literally for profits. They want to get rid of the 30% tax, as they call it. Um, it's, the, it's, a, it's the publishing platform's cut. And uh, they, I, <laughs> I've talked about the Epic Store before, but it's hard to to avoid it. <laughs> so the Epic Store has a twelve percent cut compared to thirty uh, percent on Steam and Oculus, and thirty percent actually was introduced already at least in the nineteen eighties by Nintendo. So even so, for the Nintendo license license or the Nintendo certification to be able to sell Nintendo games you paid 30% in royalty or or uh, whatever they call it uh, it's the Dr. Oculus instant chat here which is a bit awkward because it's supposed to be in, in voice but uh, <laughs> but I also know he's working late so uh, let's face it Fortnite uses the app store and that's why that's it. They use nothing else of Apple. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That like, for most for most products, they use the app stores for delivery. Uh, then you can use like 
I, I'm, a, I'm an app developer myself, and we use our own servers, our own authentication system, our own mostly anything, um, but we still publish on, on these platforms. So yes, it, it's I can see how people are, like, how platform holders might not deserve the 30%, I don't know. This is why it's now they're being called monopolies, because their own applications, just like we talked about on the Quest, or, yeah, the Quest is the, the, the like, opposite or the analog to the iPhone, pretty much. It's the closed ecosystem, a single store. You can sideload, though, so it's more like Android. It is literally Android in the base, I think, in the, in the OS. But anyway... <laughs> It's getting now. I'm getting very, very confused with everything I'm mentioning here. But um, yeah, the thread was simply lost. Uh, yeah, the Epic wants their store on there to avoid this, this, uh, this fee. And uh, while yeah, yeah, while Epic only has twelve percent of a cut on on the sales price as their share. They are also severely lacking in platform features for users. So they have no forums last time I checked. They at least before didn't have even a shopping cart. You could buy multiple games at once. I don't think they had reviews in the past. They might. So I, I don't even have the Epic Store installed. So I can't check this really, but they lacked a lot of user, user like quality of life features. What they instead do is, uh, you know, it's beneficial for developers because you get a bigger share of the game sales. Then again, most developers might not see this either because it goes to their publishers. So it's all playing for the publishers, pretty much. Um, in any case, uh, let's get back on track with VR and stuff. <laughs> Facebook again they do seem to be moving towards almost murdering the Oculus brand or not the brand like I think it will be a brand of hardware and not a part of the company uh, it was also announced today that they are uh, renaming their VR, AR, VR and AR uh, department to Facebook Reality Labs. I'm not sure what it was called before. It was if it was just Facebook AR VR, but now it's Facebook Reality Labs. And with this change, they also this is more damning. I think they renamed Oculus Connect to Facebook Connect. This has had people, me included, wonder if they want to get rid of the Oculus brand at all. Why rename? What was at least a VR-centric conference to Facebook Connect? It is interesting and weird, but uh, they also announced the date. So 16th of September, we will be able to attend a virtual Facebook Connect now through Oculus venues and Facebook live streaming, I think. So I guess that's when I get to sign into Facebook again if I want to watch any of that. Available freely from what I read uh, online. Um, 
in connection to Facebook. Yeah, I'm not letting Facebook go just yet. Uh, <laughs> the, the outrage over this, this account demand or requirement or change, I think it's mostly from enthusiasts and, and people that dislike Facebook pretty much. In my eyes, or in my mind, I see it as a move towards mainstream uh, adoption because the general public, I don't think they will like even hesitate a second to use their Facebook account to sign into this fancy new VR device. I'm fairly sure most people will be fine with it. It's mostly, you know, the nerds and the geeks that probably want to avoid using Facebook for for their VR. Um, Darshan, I think, also mentioned that uh, you do know that Facebook earn money by selling your data, and they will probably not hesitate a second to sell your VR-associated data. They know what you look at when they start pushing ads to VR, which they have talked about. Uh, it's one of, in one of their the published letters. When, or I guess, let's say when or if um, they push ads, they will know if you look at them and they will know like how for how long and and all of that. Uh, this is going to be a marketeer's wet dream, basically, especially when eye tracking gets added to it, because then you can get like actual, <laughs> actual, like where you focus for how long, where your eyes linger. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> so I listened to a different podcast lately. This is a podcast about podcasts, most apparently. I listened to a podcast called Reset by Vox Podcasts, I think. And uh, Dr. Oculus mentions that he hopes they don't ditch the Oculus name. Again, I think they will put it on the devices, but that's all. Maybe the stores, I don't know, or will we get the Facebook stores? Anyway, the Reset podcast was about Facebook and my phone is not silenced, whoops. About Facebook and how you can circumvent the fact checking on their platform. It's not a very recent podcast. I think it's a month old or two. Um, I've been catching up on podcasts lately. And the, the end of the podcast revealed that Facebook uh they employed engineers and, and and people to try and reduce the vitriol and toxicity on their platform they discovered that uh the most toxic people they were also like heavy users of the platform they were very vocal a minority but also the ones that shared and created the the the, like the the content that would need this fact checking <laughs> and um, these engineers they came out with or came up with solutions that would identify these toxic personalities that were called super sharers i think and reduce their visibility because that would then reduce the toxicity of the platform as a whole uh, they went up, this went up to the top, which is Zuckerberg. 
And uh, he said, sure, okay, yes, well, let's do this, but reduce the efficiency by 80%. So the filtering of toxic people on the platform only had a 20% efficiency after that, which makes it almost, you know, redundant. So that's the kind of person that is on on the, like, the boss of the entire platform. Uh, one that would, instead of stopping, you know, the toxicity, the the all the conspiracy theories, the vitriol that's like spouted on in in groups and and in in feeds, all the misinformation and disinformation that propagates on the platform. That's all okay in the name of growth. As long as the platform is growing, you get new user registrations, more people that use it every day. That's all that matters, apparently. And I see that as closely connected to uh, uh, requiring Facebook accounts for the Rift and Quest. Because it's all for growth. It doesn't care. So... Uh, there's a video I've seen by, uh, I can't remember the YouTube channel now. I think uh, Altar something, Tech Altar, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. About enthusiast marketing, enthusiast products. And basically enthusiasts are high demanding customers, but they can pay a lot, but they also want the best. And the... <sighs> I would be in, in the group of enthusiasts when it comes to VR. I don't mind paying top dollar for, you know, still realistic prices, but I don't, I, it's, it's my main hobby basically, so I spend money. But I'm also no foreigner to switching platforms when it fits me. Um, if I don't like something, I will, uh, well, cut my 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 ties with that <laughs> which i've literally announced on twitter that i will not buy any more oculus products we'll see if that actually is possible because they have exclusives that will not exist anywhere else but hopefully uh i will be able to carry that out or see it through we'll see uh Dr. Oculus is now fearing to be renamed Dr. Facebook VR. It's gonna be awkward, yes. So yeah, um, growth. With the announcement of the Facebook accounts, I think that alienated mostly enthusiasts. But marketing to enthusiasts is also volatile and it will not lead to the long-term success because because they always want the best and the best will not be financially viable for the mainstream. This is my take on it anyway. So this is a move to basically shed the enthusiast crowd and adopt or try to attract the mainstream. That's how I see it anyway. Welcome Narcogen to the chat. Yokes and you, you can't buy, <laughs> can't buy Oculus anymore, it's Facebook. Yeah, Facebook Connect, we have actually mentioned that. It's on, uh, it's been in the, in the talkings. 
So yeah, I see it as uh, their move towards mainstream. We'll see if they actually succeed with that. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has specifically said that that they have as a goal to get 1 billion people into VR. And 1 billion is not enthusiasts. Uh, That's the mainstream, for sure. No questions asked. Um, I think that ends the Facebook topic. I think that was the meat of the podcast at this point. Um, I have one more thing to talk about only, and I guess after that we can take questions. (laughs) Uh, if there is any, we'll see. Um, Tactical Haptics is a hardware device with sliding panels on it. Basically, it's a, uh, you're in the grip. They have panels that slide against your skin. Uh, This combined with the motions you do and the visuals you get in VR or even on a screen will make it feel like forces are applied to your hand or the inside of your hand, as it were. I have not tried these myself, but I did back them when they were on the Kickstarter. Sadly, the Kickstarter didn't succeed, so I, I have no products. And I didn't pay any money for it, but I was very enthused by the concept. And recently, they they have kept working on products. They seem to like change their design all the time. So this time, they've made something that looks like very much made for Beat Saber, and also fishing games. Uh, they call it the Saber Grip, and it's basically a a fairly long rod that has a trigger on the top and then just the two sliding like uh, pads for your grip. I think one on the inside of your palm, uh, palm and one at the middle of your the inside of your fingers. That's how it looks to me anyway. Um, it's an interesting design. Um, at the top of the rod, you mount either an Oculus controller, OptiTrack dots or uh, uh, a Vive Tracker. They also make, they, they like, in addition to this, they also make ma- uh, magnetically, uh, modif- like, they attach things together to build new controllers. And they will also sam- sell the grip for this to be integrated into, you know, uh, bespoke, uh, like, haptic-enabled weapons and swords and uh, rifles and swords. It's a very interesting product, and I... <laughs> I kind of want them to either be able to license this out to some company or, you know, in the in the index controllers version 2 maybe or just anything because in my opinion VR controllers are severely lacking in haptics at this point. We have like linear actuators doing haptic things, haptic-ish things, but it's somewhat unsatisfying. Some games do it really well, like you get rumble when it's, you know, it's fitting what's happening. And other games lack it completely. It's not, yeah, I mean, it, for hardware, I, I, I pretty much wish this would be more widely adopted or adopted at all at this point. There's no information about price or anything, but I did talk to... Uh, one of the employees on Twitter, and they it does include an IMU, so that would be an 
integrated uh, measure, measure. Okay, I don't even know what that means anymore. Uh, <laughs> and I'm you anyway. Uh, that has a gyro accelerometer and magnometer in it, probably. Um, so you can use it outside VR. So even if you play a fishing game on your screen, you could be able to use this device. And my suggestion was that it can hopefully become the de facto fishing accessory controller for both VR and outside VR. Uh, which is interesting because Dr. Oculus, or I mean, Dr. Facebook, Facebook Oculus VR, that's in chat, he recently posted a video about real fishing or, or whatever, F VR fishing, real thingy. Well, he and, and the VR realm, Paul, were fishing in multiplayer, uh, which seemed, it seemed very relaxing. I want in on that, but I think they still haven't published a multiplayer on Steam. I don't know. But that's, that's something where I could see this device being superb. Um, there has been many like interviews with people that has used these and podcasters that have used them on, you know, uh, conferences and expos and it's very convincing they have demos of like swords and a flail and they say that your brain get tricked by these sliding plates that there's an actual weight when you swing this this uh, flail around and it sounds fairly fascinating and i totally want that experience the old model had three plates this is a cheaper single board model that's a single circuit board inside uh, I think that's what it means anyway. That only has two sliders, but uh, clearly they think that's enough, at least uh, for this model. So yeah, uh, hopefully we'll see this uh, in some kind of perchable form at some point. Very exciting hardware, hardware devices. And... Uh, we're approaching 54 minutes, which is a long time to talk by myself. Um, that's Those are all the talking points I actually have. So we have a question from the, 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 the frequently obnoxious listener here, Cold Vengeance. What type of VR game do you want in VR that doesn't exist yet? <laughs> this is actually something I've talked about on Twitter. There are a few games that exist that are non-VR where you use an excavator. I have double joysticks. I bought double joysticks for six stuff games like Overload. And I want to use them to drive an excavator in VR. That is something with a big arm on it and uh, uh, where, where you can dig. And basically I want to get the muscle memory to be able to do that in a, a like fairly uh you know uh quick and 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 uh professional manner <laughs> this is one 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 of those situations where you could learn if you match this to one of the uh that coma says so heavy equipment simulator 2021 i'm so disappointed on all the farming simulator games and and you know uh forklift simulator they're all simulators that don't support vr how can they, like, how do you sell something as simulators nowadays with no VR support? It's shocking, disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
if you match your virtual excavator with actual physical joysticks to what exists in uh, actual, you know, uh, heavy equipment. Yes. Uh, I think there's like two standards if it's CAT and Volvo. Yeah, I've been looking into this. <laughs> uh, so you can pick either one that's like normal for your region where the obviously Volvo is fairly common in, in, in Sweden and perhaps in Europe. Um, so I, yes, I want my excavator simulator, um, and, and so I can learn the muscle memory of controlling an excavator. Uh, I need it. Uh, Cole also says Microsoft flight simulator would probably burn out my GPU in VR. Interestingly, people are asking themselves, will it even work in VR? So Microsoft Flight Simulator was released recently, and it's a uh, a new version, and it's 190 gigs installed or download, it, lots of gigs anyway, and that's not even all. It has two petabytes of data for the environment online. It's like their maps, and I think they're using an AI system to automatically uh, add the 3D models for buildings. That obviously won't match reality, but it's believable if you don't know how it's supposed to look uh, look like. Um, on the to make this like topical for this podcast, it, Microsoft Flight Simulator is supposed to get VR support in a patch. Uh, Tacoma says they use real tracking of airplanes with a slight delay. What? So you see actual airplanes flying around you? Okay, that's that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I'm not sure when, but they will release a VR patch for the game because it was such a po popular demand after they first first unveiled the game. Um, so far, we have only had announced support for the new HP Reverb G2, which is a new headset by HP that will ship in this autumn. Not in Sweden, so I won't be getting one, but uh, it's a high resolution, I think 2160 by 2160 per eye headset. People are struggling to play this game just on their PC now. So it comes into question, how will this work in VR? Which has, you know, gigantic requirements on resolution and frame rate. Uh, I'm sure it will be a challenge for them, and uh, clearly people will have to pull that quality slider probably far down on this on the scale. So <laughs> I don't expect the game to look as nice in VR as it does in, in, in desktop and screen videos. Uh, no cold, I don't think we will have VR for the Xbox Series X, but you could, yeah, you, he's simulating a new serious VR now, but I don't. And I think since the Xbox like organization switched their leadership, they scrapped the the Kinect quickly. I think they avoid any type of hardware outside the box that's not shipping with the console. And they also want to keep the console as bare bones as possible, it seems. So no Kinect and probably not in the near future anyway, any VR. Which is interesting because on an Oculus Connect, now Facebook Connect conference, I think it was anyway, they announced that 
you would be able to play Xbox games inside your Rift. That mode never materialized. So even even the modes outside their own platform, like they would, they would just be pumping their Xbox, the Xbox games into the headset. That didn't even uh, become an, a product. So I don't think Microsoft cares that much about VR, even if they have the Windows Mixed Reality platform. That platform seems somewhat neglected, except for the third-party manufacturers that actually makes devices for it. We have not seen, I think, I think Microsoft Flight Simulator is the first first-party game that gets official VR support. Otherwise, I don't think any of their main franchises has seen VR. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure of that. Halo got a small, like, ad in VR that I've heard is not worth getting a headset for. So <laughs> I'm not doing that anyway. I If I get a very cheap... Windows Mixed Reality headsets are cheap in the US, not in Europe. So I haven't bought one even if they... Theoretically, one could get one very cheap if I could get it imported with no fees. But at this point, I haven't had my, I haven't even tried the Windows Mixed Reality headset at this point, which is which is shameful. I know. But no, I don't expect Xbox VR anytime soon, or good performance in Microsoft Flight Simulator VR. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. So one topic, I guess. Well, we. There's a game night next Tuesday then for, for the VR Souls, probably. Question is then how many we will be. We'll see. Um, question is what game to play. We did get... <laughs> we should we do a poll? We did get the challenge of the devouring, so maybe we don't need a poll. But I need to run this by the other guys to see if they actually want to play a horror game that also is very long. <laughs> so far, any game night has not lasted longer than two hours, I believe. So I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. We'll see. But also, if we're three people, if so Doc has a new job, I think, and he's doing uh, training for it and stuff. I hope this is not too much private information. But that means we're a man short on both on the po well now we're three men short on the podcast as things go. But uh, we will be at least one man short on the game nights as well, I think. So that means we could play games that max out at three, like Gunheart, one of my favorite games. Um, yeah, we'll see if that happens. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything else in this that I should talk about? I don't think so. Time is uh, almost exactly one hour. Wow, that feels longer than it was. So yeah, I'm probably gonna relax a bit and call this a podcast or the end of the show anyway. For the ones who have watched the stream, in the corner has actually been Automata Break the whole time. That's the, the game I, I praised for the Kickstarter <laughs> project. Um <laughs> uh, so that's what's been in the in one of the TV screens. Yeah, for the podcast listeners, my my streaming overlay now is actually uh the TV's from the very beginning of Half-Life Alex. 
Uh, Cold asks, where can we contact the podcasts? I've been asking the other guys if we can publish an email publicly, but they haven't. I'm not sure. I think they agreed on it at one point, but then I never set it up. So if you want to contact us, talk to the Twitter account, which is, I think, at VRSoulsPod. I'm, I need to verify that so I'm not lying. Uh, you know, I should know this, but <laughs> at this point, I, I just use the auto-completion. Yeah, at VRSoulsPod. I think DMs, DMs are open, I'm not sure, but that's an account all of us have access to, and uh, send any feedback or inquiries to that account. Uh, hopefully we'll see it. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I think that's it. You can find everything about our podcasts nowhere because the site is dead, so never mind the website. But you can find me on... <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I'm far from the social media manager, but uh, I can push people to use it so other people get to manage it. Um, but anyway, you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Steam, GitHub, YouTube, all by my username, Ball7708. So that's it for me, I think. I don't have an outro for this. I'm just going to cut it off like sharply. So... That's it, people. Uh, well, thank you for coming to the podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll be more people next time. Uh, <laughs> hopefully. We'll see. So that's it for the VR Solo podcast. Um, thanks for watching and listening. Bye-bye.